Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hey guys, this is an interview from a long time ago uh, when I was at Fantastic Fest back in September and I saw the movie The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Uh, It's not necessarily a horror film, but it's still a pretty good little uh, thriller film. It's, it's, you know, people trapped in a house um, and it's got a very like Quentin Tarantino vibe. I would say it's definitely for fans of especially early Tarantino, like uh, Reservoir Dogs and, and stuff like that. It's a all in one night, all in one location but with a lot of flashbacks to give you uh, an overview of what characters, inspirations and stuff are. So go and check out the movie. Uh, it's it's definitely a very good, fun time. But this is my sit down with the writer director, uh, Henry Dunham, who was just a delight. We had such a fun time talking. The movie is now available in select theaters, VOD and digital HD uh, on January 18th. So it's just around the corner. So check out this interview and then go check out the movie because I think a lot of you are really going to enjoy it. thinks that a lot um tsa agents every time i fly 
Uh, all right, so I'm sitting here with Henry, who did a film called Standoff at Sparrow Creek, correct? That's correct. <laughs> so uh, this movie, I, I unfortunately wasn't able to catch a screening of it here at the convention, but I did get to watch a screener of it. Okay. Um, and it is, it's an intense movie, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, I yeah. think. Yeah, you wrote a very, it's a solid script. Uh, it's, I'm trying to think of the best way to word it, and I, I hate using other films as a means of comparison because it always feels like it's okay. downplaying someone's creativity but it's very uh it made me feel a lot of how i felt when i watched reservoir dogs for uh -huh. the first time uh -huh. and i'm sure you've heard that before yep mm -hmm. <laughs> yep but it it does i mean you know you're being compared to quentin which is a huge compliment totally in its own right. reserved <laughs> but I'll, uh yeah i it, it is interesting how much that movie's come up because i'm just like well is it because it's dudes in a warehouse or what and and i get it and it's like there's an undercover cop but you, you kind of just like have to accept it that he sort of has a monopoly on dudes in a warehouse movies yeah with undercover cop it's like well if you go down this road you're gonna get this so it's just accepting that and i think it's the um the other thing that i felt a lot with uh, as far as like a potential influence was actually a twilight zone episode the oh. the monsters on maple street you know somebody else told me about that one <laughs> and i've never seen that one. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, okay but, yeah okay. but it's the you know it's a movie that's kind of about paranoia and people's ability to create their own self-destruction yeah okay uh and that's what i think was really cool about it and it's tied into this script with these brilliant dialogue scenes there's a scene where, I don't want to give away anything in the movie, but there's, there's a scene where a character gives this monologue about a potential manifesto. Yeah, about a potential <laughs> manifesto that is just so intense as he's tied to a chair. Oh, yeah. yeah like, yeah. The, the performance in that's fantastic. Where was your inspiration for making this, I guess? I'm throwing out my own ideas, but I haven't asked well, what yours are. <laughs> uh, well, it was a weird one. Um, so I had written and directed a short that was kind of like a cousin piece of this. It was two characters in the warehouse and a lot of dialogue and very kind of stage play-esque. And, you know, writing and directing is what I always wanted to do. And I did it and it was received very well and went online and, and you know, it was a proud moment. Yeah. And I went out with a friend to a bar where I live in Los Angeles and I kind of looked around and just saw it was the same shit, like one of those bars you're just like, it's just people rubbernecking and looking around and wondering who's who. And I was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. And it was a very lonely moment. And I just left and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be isolated and I just want to work. And I tend to try and work from a position uh, on emotions that scare me. Yeah. And that one right there, I felt, okay, well, if that's the goal, the most painful thing that can happen isn't to live your life in solitude. It's to realize that you, you need the bar, even yeah. if you don't want it, you need human connection, even if it's painful and to the ones that are hurting you. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like that's a storyline. That's something I can get behind. That's a, that's an emotional through line I can track. And then from there going, okay, it is a very familiar arc. You see it in, you know, family dramas, you see it in a movie about a band or something. I was like, what is a very inaccessible story arena to set that? Somebody that, you know, a group that I don't have anything in common with, something that's very kind of alienated. And I was just like, oh, okay, I'm from Michigan originally. I always heard about these militia people. It'd be interesting to set a very familiar story in a very unfamiliar story arena. And that's really kind of how it went. And I just went from there. And I, I feel like um, hearing that, I relate 
so much to I was in LA for maybe six months mm. and you know the way you described feeling in that bar is kind of I felt that way the whole time I was in LA I it's, felt very uncomfortable yeah. in my own skin yep. for the first time ever yeah um, so I, I think that that's brilliant because you you did the opposite of me I ran away I was like <laughs> all right I'm going back home where well, you safe. probably did the smart thing. I <laughs> stayed for 11 years I don't know you're the yeah. one being interviewed by me so <laughs> I think the residual effects I'll probably be some weird old man just you know uh, dealing with the ripple effects of living for 11 years in LA well you'll be fine yeah, and having heard, like a nice family and kids I heard someone once say that uh, everyone in LA is just trying to become famous enough to no longer live in LA you know what that's a great that's a great statement and I think it's probably true yeah there are so many great sad cynical statements about LA I think there was one where it was like it was like LA isn't a place to live. LA isn't a place you live. It's a carousel you try and stay on for as long as possible until you have to go home. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair so, enough. So what, because I had trouble, I guess this is, would fall into a drama. We're, we're at Fantastic Fest. It's, it's a very genre-specific festival, which is funny because I feel like most of the films defy mm -hmm. a singular drama. Like, if you were pitching this, how would you describe it to people? Mm. Rust Belt psychological noir. Okay, I think that works. <laughs> I definitely think there is a lot of noir in this. It definitely yeah. has a lot of love for those old fifties noir films in just the way it's shot. It's very dark. It's very shadowy, and mm -hmm. which I love. I don't. I don't think there's enough films doing that. So I appreciate. Thank that. you very much. Yeah, <laughs> those those were a huge inspiration, and I'm a huge noir guy too. Uh, I love. I love 60s French noir, if I can sound really pretentious. Go for it. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was obsessed with Robert Bresson movies and, and then the 70s Jean-Pierre Melville movies. I just think that they're incredible with how subtle they are and how restrained they are with tension and making sure that the audience is kind of not pandered to, where it's just like, let the audience experience this stuff organically. Let them experience it in their own right without, you know, music cues telling them how to feel. Let them feel it on their own way. And those movies were the ones that I was just obsessed with watching this. And then there were some, I mean, there were, the 70s is, is the decade that I'm, you know, I kind of go back to every single time on something whenever I'm working on. And another one was Friends of Eddie Coyle, yeah. the Peter Yates movie, was just like, it's Robert Mitchum. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's another performance like that of his. I feel like there's a lot of people right now that are going back to that 70s style. Like, even in horror. Yeah. Horror's been a lot of yeah. 70s throwback vibe yeah. lately. There's something about... I don't know. Somebody gave me some theory where it's like whenever we're in a time of very um, shitty societal circumstances, that's when the work starts getting really good because there's so much conflict. And, you know, after 68, there's just a horrible year and such a horrible time. That decade sort of got all that great work from it. Yeah. So, like, maybe this is the benefit of living in a time that's insane. Yeah. As the work goes there. It's nothing kind of imperfect but emotionally brutal way. Yeah, I definitely remember in November of 2016 feeling like at least movies and music are going to get yeah. really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there has to be something to make this worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So what is the what what is the plan with the movie at this point? You're you're having the premiere yeah. here and yeah. is there a, a release? Okay. Um I think we're 
it's either the end of this year, by the way, this happened before where the lights turned off, so just be ready for it. I'm ready. It will happen, and then they turn back on. That's I think, fine. I think it might be a motion timer. Actually, dude, it's a motion timer. <laughs> this is great. Uh, so we got distribution, I think it's either end of this year or early next year. Okay. And is that, are you getting theatric release? Is it going to be a limited theatric? or limited theatric with like iTunes, and I'm fine with that. I just yeah. want as many people as possible to be able to see it. I um and I I hope that you take this as the compliment that I mean it for. But I think of a lot of the movies I've seen, I feel like this is one of those movies that will find its biggest benefit in a streaming service. For sure, it, it's yeah. that movie that like someone watches it on Netflix, yeah. goes holy shit, and then they tell a bunch of other people. I, I I take it as a huge compliment. I just want people to see it and enjoy it. And I think that you know I'm a huge I I have a friend who works for the company, but I'm like. I'm telling everyone I know to get that Apple TV 4K because I'm just like, I know that that format gives directors sort of peace of mind to know that you actually are getting the resolution and the color space that, you know, you obsess over in the grade. And so if everybody's going to watch it at home, it's like, awesome. Just watch it in the best possible format, which right now is that. Exactly. Um, so, uh, no, I... I I think that's great. If people want to watch it at home, that's awesome. And what's the um, the next step for you? Do you have the next movie idea yeah, in the brain? Yeah, yeah. Well, the script is done. Okay. Um, and that's sort of being put together right now, but it's bigger. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, all right, well, that was our chat, I guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, standoff at Sparrow Creek is going to be available sometime in the next couple months. Yes, I think with, I would say within the next like 90 days. Is there a website or a Facebook or anything where people can be kept up to date on stuff? That's a great question. I don't have any social media, so I don't know. <laughs> I would check the, uh, I would check the Cinestate, the producer's uh, website or okay. their Instagram. They're, they're pretty they're pretty on top of that stuff. All right, great. Well, guys, keep an eye and ear open. You're going to want to see this movie. You're not going to regret the experience. It, it's everything I love. It's it's a brisk movie. You know, you're not. It's you, quick. Yeah, it's a quick yeah, movie, and linger. it it start the the opening. I do want to say I love how it opens. Oh, thank you it, so much. It sets the tension. It sets the mood right out the gate, and then you're just kind of in for a very insightful conversation about violence for an hour and a half. I'll take that review. That's a great review. I appreciate that one. <laughs> Thank you very much. No problem. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. 
So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 